It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. It is our second big preview of a second huge meeting of the week. We have recorded our Galway preview, and now it's time to focus on the flat action at Goodwood in the company of At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! And our good friend and top racing journalist, Mr. Rory DeLarge. <laughs> Well, hello there. You seem to be a bit taken aback by that introduction, Rory. Are you okay? No, I took myself off mute. Realised I wasn't on mute. I took myself off mute again. Ah, oh, nice start to the show. So um, I was about to burst out laughing because I noticed that Blue de Vega had just won Alaska. Oh, you're not oh, serious. Stop. Oh, my God. What trip was that? Five furlongs. Five furlongs. Oh, oh dear. They had, okay. him in the, they had him in the July sale they and they did. took him out. Yeah, yeah. they did. Uh, oh, well, uh, missed the boat on that one. Uh, hopefully we won't miss the boat, though, at Goodwood. I think before we get stuck into the forum, we talked before about the idiosyncratic track that Goodwood is, Rory. What type of horse are you looking for to succeed? And when it comes to the draw, just how important is it? Uh, it depends on what trip you're looking at as a rule and you've got you've essentially got three different tracks in operation you've got the uh, the straight course where you would imagine being drawn next to the stands will be an advantage but it tends not to be um and then you've got um well it's not a round track is it you've got you've got the um you racing around the bend um but you've got um you've got two different configurations of the home bend uh one rather tighter than the other um and that means that um First of all, the jockey that you're backing needs to know where he's going. That's very important in the first place. Mm. Uh, and you need you need a horse who can who can deal with um, the switchback nature of the track. And also, not everyone's favourite word um, depends whether it's in vogue or not. But um, switchback suits um, Goodwood fairly well. Uh, and you've got to have something that um, that will handle um, the ups and downs of the track there. Uh, again. It's all very well saying you want a well-balanced horse, but no one ever advertises their horses as being badly balanced, do they? So exactly, it's, it's hard to find those clues in the uh, in the racing paper yeah. um, beforehand. Um, over uh, trips of um, around a mile, sort of the seven furlongs, mile, mile and a furlong, you tend to want to be drawn pretty low because you've got a, a turn coming up and a pretty sharp turn coming up early in the race. Beyond that trip, although you again you, you're still dealing with the bends. There's less of an emphasis on the draw. Um, the big field mile handicap, for example, the Golden Mile, uh, there tends to be a, a big bias towards horses drawn low there. Um, but generally speaking, you want a horse who can um, who can handle a bit of a camber. Uh, 
often people say it suits front runners. Uh, like a lot of tracks that are meant to suit front runners, it doesn't shoot. It doesn't suit short runners and horses who who get to the front but don't stay beyond the trip they're racing at tend to be tend to be vulnerable in the closing stages, particularly to strong runs down the outside of the track. We saw Ryan Moore ride the track exceptionally well a few years ago, where he seemed to produce almost everything w- with a um, a similar sort of run, held up on the field while they go very hard early on to take position, uh, and then move to the outside to avoid trouble come with a sustained run to do that you need to be well enough handicapped and you need to be able to run in a straight line which a lot of horses can't do um when they're uh, you know when they're uh, coming with a run down the down the middle of a track um again i'd look at jockeys an awful lot when i was when i was a lad i used to follow the likes of pat edry around goodwood who had a very good record um and ryan moore rides the track extremely well but mm. again jockeys with, with limited experience of the track will often find themselves in trouble so if Ryan Moore gets the leg up on a horse who's been well-backed in a handicap, for example, and we, we've seen this before with the Michael Bell horse who won the, the Golden Mile. Um, I think, did he ride Beat the Bank when that horse won last year as well? Goodwood, I have a funny he did, feeling yeah. he did. Uh, it, it's, it's there you get to see the brilliance of Ryan Moore and just what a, a key asset he is. Any other jockey that you would be particularly interested in if, you, if there's a horse that you fancy and you see that I, he or I'd she's throw, got the leg up? Um, I throw Ocean Murphy in there just because he's he's developed into an absolutely top class jockey this yeah. season. Yeah. Um. You, you don't tend to get jockeys who ride one um, top track well, but not the others. Um. You get jockeys who, who are sort of local and ride a track regularly for for their retained stable, who then get to know the the idiosyncrasies of that track. But generally speaking, these days, um, it tends to be the top jockeys who, who come out uh, on top on tracks that are tricky to ride. Um. If it's if it's simply a case of getting out and pressing the button and going, then. You know, you're as well off with that with a seven pound claimer. Um, but at tracks like Goodwood, where uh, knowledge of pace and knowledge of the track is very important, then the top jockeys tend to come to the fore. Kevin, as a race planner, a race breeder, a racing broadcaster, and journalist, what kind of horses are you looking for at one of the biggest meetings of the year? Good ones. <laughs> Preferably with pace. <laughs> No, good ones. Yeah, that, as Rory says, look, balance is is a difficult it's a difficult thing to quantify. Um, but you know, as we spoke about on the Galway podcast, if they've been there, done it before, hmm. you know, it can only be considered a positive. The fact that they have, if they haven't done it before, it doesn't mean they can't do it. But if they've gone there a couple of times and and failed miserably for no obvious reason other than perhaps the track, and um, that can be the the best clue you'd get. But um, I do like a bit of course form going back to Goodwood. Okay. That's going to be important then as the week progresses. Uh, so we'll start with the big race, um, arguably the big race of the entire week, and that is the Goodwood Cup, uh, the Qatar Goodwood Cup to give it its proper name. It's part of the British Champion Series, and Stradivarius is in line for that huge million-pound bonus. Um, he obviously comes into this having been the Gold Cup winner. Uh, that was a fantastic performance in a brilliant renewal of the race. And... Um, Frankie de Tori doesn't get the ride uh, because his ban was, as we predicted, reduced, but not enough to get him back for uh, potentially Cracksman in the King George and, more importantly, Stradivarius in this race. So Andre Atzini takes over, uh, one of Kevin Blake's favorite jockeys. <laughs> and, um, that was years ago. Yeah, with, but it's still there. The though, man's Kev. improved. It's, it's, Fair play it's, to him. It's still there, Kev. Um, John Gosden obviously in flying form and he's definitely the most exciting stare around Rory but the question that I would have about him is basically about his price so he's 8 to 13 4 to 6 4 to 7 depending on where you shop around he's being talked about as being an absolute banker 
yes, he did the Royal Ascot and Goodwood Double last year, but that was over a mile six in the Queen's Vase, and then he was getting the weight for age allowance from Big Orange. This time around, he's had a gut buster, as the Australians would call it, in the Ascot Gold Cup, and he's not getting the, the weight allowance. Is he a good thing, or am I being overly harsh on him? He's he's not a good thing, no. But he's he's um, he's very reliable. You'll not be getting four to seven in the day. You'll be getting a much more competitive price than that. Um, these anti post boosts can be absolutely bonkers, can't they? Yeah. Um, and the run up to races like this, and it, it, you know, it, it depends who ends up um, rocking up. And and um, you know, Aidan O'Brien's got four in there at the moment. They won't all turn up. Maybe only one of them will turn up. But whichever one does will be interesting, and uh, we'll be backed accordingly. And of course, you know, it, it, um, Stradivarius doesn't have a, a huge amount in hand of, uh, of Torchador, for example. Um, and there are others who come into the equation here. And of course, the, the other thing that you've got to bear in mind is, is whether the rain that we're beginning to see hangs around for any length of time or whether it's just it just passes through and we're back to um, uh, the scorching summer we've had before that. If it turns up on the soft side, that would be a big negative to Stradivarius's chances. But if it was, if it was quick ground um, and the field cuts up a little bit, he should get the job done, but don't be piling in at four to seven now. That's crazy. Even even if, if um, the field looks weaker than we expect at this stage and the ground is perfect for him, he'd be a lot bigger than four to seven on the day at some stage. Yeah, bookmakers are going to want to, you know, big meetings like this, they have to be competitive and they will be pushing him out for account acquisitions and all that kind of stuff. I should say that I was at the Goodwood members preview night on Tuesday and I was sitting beside... Oh, here comes uh, the name drop. Oh, Ed Arkell, <laughs> uh, the clerk of the course. And um, Ed made a very important point, which is really relevant for your betting. Uh, the cutaway that they use on the Thursday, Rory, that they normally then do away with for Friday and Saturday, with the way the ground is right now, uh, unless they get significant rain, that cutaway is going to stay. They're not going to take that away. So if you've got balls of steel like Ryan Moore and you want to go up the inside rail, that could be a huge advantage to you. Um, but again, we'll have to wait and see how all of that plays out. But with the ground, yeah. with the ground as it is right now, that cutaway is going to stay. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting um, development. But um, the, I reckon most most jockeys who decide to to, um, uh, to head up the inside rail or banking on luck more than yeah. anything else. If, you, if you're riding a horse with something in hand um, at Goodwood, then up the reel is not the way to go. Yeah, I would 100% so, uh, agree with you. If, you. if you need to, you know, if you need to take a chance, you're riding a hold-up horse and you know you can't afford to lose ground um, and you're, you're looking for every gap to open for you to have a winning chance, then by all means, um, give that a go. But uh, if you think you've got five or seven pounds in hand, Going up the inside is just an invitation to to um, lots of trouble in running. So what's your approach to this then? Is it a case of wait and see on the day to try and get a more competitive price about Stradivarius? Or are you keen to get involved against him? I'm, I'm not mad to be against him. I don't know. Um, there are seven of these jocked up as it stands, but um, O'Brien runners are never jocked up in advance. Yeah. So we might end, we might end up with eight or nine runners. Um, which would give you an each-way angle if you want to play that. But I, I'd be happy enough. Um, I, I'm I'm not mad to be to be lumping on horses at his sort of price. Mm. You know, if, if you've if it's a Group One race and you've got a horse who's who's you know eight to eleven or four to six and that's the true price. You know, by all means, get stuck in if you want. But there's you're you're struggling to argue an angle with that, and, and I'll be looking at um, uh, at a different type of horse for the meeting. But I'm not going to say I want to be against him at the price. I think I'd rather be backing him than trying to argue a case. I've one or two others against him. 
Um, and then we start looking through the individual form lines. You can make a case for four or five other horses if everything goes the way um, who could potentially beat Stradarius. But uh, he's he's um, the likeliest one to find further improvement. Um, the drop back to two miles won't be a problem mm. for him. He showed plenty of speed to win over a mile and six um, prior to Ascot. So uh, he's the one I'd want to be with. I wouldn't be racking my brain to find alternatives. Um, but as I said, uh, on the day, you'll, you'll just find the market a lot more competitive. Um, and I'd be amazed if he's that short, um, given the nature of Goodwood. I'd like to see him win because I love these stairs. And this stairs million, I think, is a great initiative. And it would build huge excitement then if he's continuing to go for that. Um, that being said, I will probably be backing the horse whose dam is a sister to the Gold Cup legend Yates. <laughs> Torstiador, who the more I watch back that race, Any cool more connection. You'll reach so far. Yates, you'll, you'll find a hero. it. You'll grab it and you'll keep hold of it. What, uh, what signed picture of a horse do I have at home? I don't know. Yates? You do know, yes, yes, Yates, <laughs> proudly in my corridors, uh, signed uh, by Edna Bryan. What a legend! Uh, but um, Torstiador, like we were obviously there for ITV and. Uh, he ran an absolute stormer. Like he was in front three furlongs out, and he's battled back. I know he's he's beaten, but he's he's put on a really brave performance. He has. He got the trip, you know, thoroughly well. Um, Stradivarius. I like. I think this race will cut up a bit. I suspect Aidan O'Brien won't want to be travelling too many, um, given the the health concerns he has for some of the string. I think he'll he'll avoid travelling them if he can at all. Um, so I could see this cutting up a bit. Stradivarius. I would be pretty certain will be better at two miles than two than two and a half mm. and um, he's been there and done it around this course and distance which is a plus how significant though is having a hard race in the gold cup last time it's a concern yeah i'd always like to see a horse have a freshen up after um the gold cup and um, look it's a six week gap it's it's not insignificant um it should be fine he went into the gold cup with just one run under him so he's he's fresh relatively mm. It's not something that would put me off. Um, the only thing that would put me off here would be uh, lots of rain. And I think, looking at the forecast, we might be okay. But, excuse me, we know that these old forecasts can change. But I'd be shocked and amazed if Stradivarius was beaten. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go that far to say that much. <laughs> okay, uh, so it's looking fairly positive for Stradivarius. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's very, very good. Um, I think the each-way angle into the race is Torsiador. I just think he's solid scumbag. against him. All pure each-way scumbaggery. And well, I'm talking about a hard race at Ascot, he had a very hard race at Ascot. And he's a horse that has chassis issues at times. Yeah, but as Kate Harrington was saying, this is the first season that they've had him since he came from David Watchman's that everything's been clean with him, that he's been absolutely fine. Well, that was pre-Gold Cup. Yeah, that's you true. You know, rattling hard race and, 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 and you know, pretty good to firm ground. That he might not be quite in such a good place now. We don't know. It could be totally wrong, of course. But don't think they'd send him over if he wasn't. Um, you know, when we talk about chassis issues, it just it doesn't mean that there's anything terribly wrong with him. It's just he's not. He might have a little. He might put out a bit stiff of a morning, and he warms up. He's fine. Yeah. You know, just little things, little things. The margins yeah. are fine in this game. They can be perfectly sound enough to race, but that doesn't mean they're a hundred percent. It might just be ninety-nine point nine. What price do you think Stradivarius will go off, Rory? Um, I I would guess. Well, depending, we don't know exactly what the final field is going to be. It yeah. could cut up a little bit, but I I, I would wager that he'd be nearer. Um. 8 to 11 and 4 to 7. 
Well, considering and I he thought was... you get four to five if you're shopping around, shouldn't be that difficult. Okay, so considering he was seven to four for the Gold Cup and he doesn't have to face Fazirabad, probably not order St. George, willing to have egg on my face there. He's still entered, but don't know if he'll run. Um, and so Torcidor would be the only one that he'd have to re reoppose. Four to five would be fair enough. Yeah, it definitely would. If he, if you can get that on the day. Um, Kevin's got a raised eyebrow here as um, he's just looking at his laptop. No, oh, so I'm just reading an odd news story here. Is it related to this in Completely any way? Completely unrelated, so, so continue. Is it related to racing? Is it racing yes, related? Yes, what it is, is it yeah. then? What is it? Um, Philip Hyde is giving up training because of the heat wave. What? Because of well, he's given up for good. Headline, enough is enough. Global he warming. Heat wave spells the end of Philip Hyde's training career. Because of a few weeks of warm weather. Uh, with the dry weather, I've really been struggling to train the horses how I want to train them. An emotional high told the Racing Post. There are horses who I've got who I've got through it, but I've struggled with quite a few of the youngsters just to keep them in one piece, and it's just not how I want to do it. That seems a little bit bizarre to me, but hey ho. Yeah, if you could see, we still haven't put the cameras in the final for podcast studio, but if you could see Kevin Blake's expression right now, that would give an awful lot away. Uh, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Look, good luck to. Good yeah, luck yeah. To. Seems yeah. just seems, you know. That might be a case of the headline not quite fitting the the story. Yeah, it, it, was yeah. A, it was announced a while ago that Philip Hyde was going to. Yeah, was going to um, to quit. That's a strange, um, strange one. I can't I imagine know. that's the actual reason. I'm sure why he's he was. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Yeah. You know had enough as it was and it's just maybe this and the heat the heat does pose problems obviously the trainers and uh yeah but that's to, to put it down to it might so to solely the heat wave i think might be missing the points there. yeah it, it's probably something that he's been planning to do for a while and this may very well have sped up his decision yeah. but it's not going to be the reason why he's decided to quit it's, it's a strange headline very strange headline right the seven furlong qatar lennox sticks um pounds tip to wins connections were seriously considering going for the sussex stakes but with expert eye diverted there they will go here instead and a really interesting one, Rory, is the French Raider, who's been supplemented. Uh, Carrar uh, will come over, and I think he could be a very, very interesting runner indeed. What's your assessment of the race? Yeah, it's, uh, again, talking about um, a lot of these races at Goodwood, we're going to touch on the fact that it's hard to um, uh, to guess what the lineup's going to be for a lot of the races because watches are multiply entered and um, some of the group ones are easy enough to call, but the, the shoulder race is harder. The one thing we know about this is that uh, um, Karhar is going to run, um, given they've had to uh, stump up a supplementary entry for him. So mm. it'd be bizarre if um, if he didn't. Uh, and he was only beating two lengths in the Breeders' Cup mile last year. Um, so while his form figures um, don't look absolutely astounding at uh, at first glance, uh, it's no surprise they want to run him at this um, meeting, given his um, his ownership, and um, you know he had excuses for for um, that run in the, the Reader's Cup Mile, which is a pretty decent one anyway. As I said, yeah. when he beaten two lengths, he's quite he's badly drawn there. So if he brings his A game to the table, um, then he'd look um, he'd look the most interesting horse in the race, quite frankly. You know, so we don't have the greatest bunch of of um, sort of seven furlong mile horses um, around at the moment, as evidenced by uh, Breton Rocks. 51 win in this race last year. Oh, dearie me. Um, so, I mean, uh, well done to the connections, the by the way, but it was like, oh, dear. Um, yeah, that, that's it's my... It's a wee bit surprising the French don't, don't do this more often because they have 
they have a you know a, a group one seven furlong event later in the year in the pre de la foray yeah um and they should have a better bunch of horses of this sort of trip than uh, um than the english do traditionally um but it's not um it's not a regular thing again you know it's this is not the kind of race that if you're a top french trainer you're you're um turning to when you get the um the program book um it's not that um, it's not quite that sexy a race but it's you know it's a decent prize uh, and a very decent prize these days since again since Massive the, uh, the sponsorship price. huge yeah. um so it's um it's well worth looking at um these days and it's um it's up for grabs and given the fact that al shakab racing have supplemented i'm sure they'd be very keen to get the prize money back he's the selection for me is he is he your pick as well yeah, he is. Knowing what I do about the race at the moment, yes. Yeah, okay. Kevin? Wouldn't have a strong view, I'd hope. Um, and I'll probably butcher the pronunciation. Um, Emmaus. Is that how we go with that, Rory? Is I Emmaus? think it is, actually. Emmaus. Emmaus. There we go. Um, I've been looking forward to seeing him a few times. He's missed a few engagements. Am I... D- <laughs> he might not be a horse we see the best of until the autumn when he gets a bit more juice in the ground. But um, he's a horse I like. I'm just interested to see how he progresses because there, there's plenty of ability there, big pedigree, and um, he's done well to win, um, not just on a season of reappearance this season, but he did well to win on his uh, handicap debut about last October. So, you know, I think the ability is there. Both at Leicester. Yeah, Both yeah Leicester, exactly. Yeah. Um, Roger Varian, I'd say, um, I'd say he's a challenge to train would be an assumption to make based on his, his form pattern. Um, but I, I, he's one I like. He's one I like. Um, this wouldn't necessarily be the spot for her, maybe. But you know, I'm keeping an eye out for him. So we don't know if, if it if it pours, yeah. then he might well you might well be turning up. I think if it's if it ends up being a good ground um, festival at Goodwood, then he might skip that. But yeah. he's he's certainly an interesting one. And while the rain is absolutely lashing in Ireland, uh, that's not the forecast for certainly not for Goodwood anyway. Um, so I'm, weather can change. Global warming. It's almost impossible to predict these days, but um, they're certainly looking a good to firm, uh, and that's how it's reading right now, and that's uh, what they're expecting. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But Carrara will and Seamus's hose has been locked up for a good old year now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Ed's responsibility nowadays. So um, we'll uh, we'll get to see how all of that plays out. It will be interesting to say the least. But Kevin's selection is a big old price at 14s, and uh, we don't know what the price of Carrara is yet. Oh, I wouldn't call him a selection for me now. Just highlighting him. Just think that he's interesting. He would, yeah, that would look a that would look a big price if he was if he was declared yeah. because he would be ground dependent. I'd have thought to mess. Yeah, if if he runs. The uh, fact that you boys don't know how to pronounce that suggests you don't go to mass that often. Yeah, it's been a while. You're bound to have the road to Emmaus popping up every now and again <laughs> if, you, if you turn up at mass yeah. three or four times. Now, yeah. now, Rory. Now, now, my friend. Uh, we'll, we'll move along quickly. We'll move <laughs> along quickly now, Rory DeLarge. Uh The vintage stakes, just very briefly, we'll touch on this, Kevin. I think you've got a view. Um, oh, there's a heap of interesting horses in this, I thought. Um, if I can find it in front of me. Of course, some of them are not going to run. They've been out in recent days. Uh, most notably, Anthony Van Dyke, who was pretty deadly last night. He I was thought. brilliant, yeah. Um, there's a couple... Drogon was one that I quite liked when he won his maiden um, at Haydock, wasn't Drogon's it? Drogon's going to be so crucial in Season 8. Hey, there we go. Game of, Game Thro- of, Game Thrones. of Thrones. name. Um, I was impressed with him. Tom Dascom... Um, he improved. He was given a nice educational ride first time at Haydock, and he came out and made the run and at a at a very solid pace and didn't come back. You know, I thought he was impressive. Um, I I feel he's one that could go on and step into stakes company and compete. Um, Dark Vision was another 
who impressed me last time. He's two from two from two for Mark Johnson. Um, bare form or leaving with a bit defined, I think. But I like the way he did it. And um, you know those two coming in against horses with, with you know there'll be a few in here with you know very much stakes form to their name, but uh, they would be two potential improvers that I'd highlight uh, as interesting. Okay, I will give a mention to Federal Law. Um, we were talking about Oshin Murphy and just how well he's been doing this season. He's by Scat Daddy and trained by Archie Watson, who's been having a fantastic season. Um, Two hundred and twenty thousand dollars as a yearling. And uh, I think you look back at his performance at uh, Salisbury, he'd be definitely one that I'd be very, very keen on. Rory, anything for you there in the two-year-old race? Um, it's an interesting race to finish, but I, I can't see exactly how it's going to to, uh, to pan out. So I'll um, I'll wait until I see Dex before getting involved there. The, the pair you mentioned are interesting. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about the opening handicap, the first race of the day, which means you must have a dark one for us, Rory. Literally a dark one. Um, that, that being dark red. Oi, oi, who, how could if, I have possibly those, predicted? For those who, who uh, watched the race last year, you'll remember that dark red and Oshin Murphy were first past the post but got disqualified. Um, he's gone up on the weight since then, but he's deservedly so because he's kept improving. I know he's a six year old gelding now, but um, they stuck um, headgear on him uh, last year at Dumlop, kind of as a Ronnie Arcoli, um, and he took his form up a little bit more. Um, and he's. Um, He's caught the eye two or three times this season. Yeah. Um, notably for me in the Seton Delaval handicap at um, uh, Newcastle last time when he was second to Humbert. Uh, Humbert, who's one of the favourites for the Golden Mile. Um, he was the only horse to make significant ground from off the pace in that race. I'm, I'm almost at the meeting. It was a really um, normally Newcastle suits all that horses. You know, it's always been a stiff track uh, and Tapita is not an easy surface to make all the running on, generally speaking. Mm. But um, given how hot it's been, the, the surface breaks down a little bit, the kickback gets severe, and horses who've got on the front end at Newcastle have done a lot better in recent weeks. So I thought Dark Red did really well to come from the back of the field and finish second to Humbert, who was always up with the pace. That was over a mile. We know he's at least as effective at a mile and a quarter as he saw in this uh, meeting last year. Yeah. And I think he's he's guaranteed to, to run a big race. He's also in the Golden Mile, but William Buick is, um, is jogged up for him to start the meeting off. Don't know where he's going to be drawn, which, you know, we'd ideally want to be drawn fairly low, but um, in fairness, over a mile and a quarter, it's not that bad. Um, the, the turn into the straight is not as significant, significant as it is in some other races through the week. Um, and given his style of running, he probably doesn't want to be hugging the rail, as it were. So um, they've got a bit of unfinished business having been disqualified last year, and he comes here at the top of his game, so I expect a big run from him. And just to expand on the draw, Rory, because we were talking about it earlier on, so low numbers are, are key. Uh, the clerk of the course at the preview night was was emphasising that as well. Ed, what would be the cutoff for you in terms of the draw? Oh, I don't I don't mind being drawn, um, drawn high at times, as long as I've got a horse uh, and a jockey who can, um, who can ride uh, the track to suit. Um, if you, we tend to focus on where horses are at the start of a race in terms of whether we can give them a chance or not. But sometimes it helps to visualize, um, how the field will, uh, how they'll be positioned turning for home and work out where your horse is going to be and where it wants to make a run. Um, and if they bomb off over the mile and a quarter here and you stop it at the two furlong point, 
you want to find your horse able to make a move towards the outside of the field. There's a slight camber towards the rail. Horses tend to roll down there when they get tired. Anything trying to come with a run between horses tends to get stopped because horses move around. Well, we saw with the disqualification of this horse last year. Um, there tends to be all sorts of traffic problems on the inside in the last furlong or two here. And if you want to come with a run from behind, you want to be making that run down the outside of the field or at least wide-ish of runners to avoid traffic. And therefore, if you're drawn wide in the first place, it's not a disaster over this sort of trip uh, because of the way the races pan out. But the whole thing is about where you put those. There's nothing that annoys me more when you've got a horse that you think you don't mind a wide draw for and it pops out of the stalls and the jockey takes a, a right turn, um, checks the horse's momentum straight out of the stalls and goes across to the rail. So therefore, you're, you're on the rail where you don't want to be and you're 20 lengths behind the pace. Yeah, That's what I don't like to see. I like to see horses who, are, who can be ridden forward, uh, not necessarily to dispute the lead, just to take a, a decent position, you know, a midfield position. And you get a lot of horses who, and this is some, something we didn't mention earlier on, we're talking about what horse you want. You want a horse that doesn't race too freely if it's in daylight. You know, horses who can be positioned um, wherever they want in a race are um, so much easier to ride, I'd imagine, than horses who need cover. You know, a lot of horses will race freely unless they have cover, and therefore the first thing that jockeys are told to do is try to tuck them away somewhere. Um, and once you've... That's a limitation. Once you accept that limitation, then you have to accept that you're liable to um, to find yourself in a bad position. Because if you, if you tuck in behind the wrong horses... Um, then you're going to find yourself in the wrong place on the track uh, and potentially in a pocket. Uh, whereas if your horse can go forward without getting lit up, then you can take a much better position. You can go forward for two or three furlongs and then tuck in a mid-division or just behind the leaders, which is a much better place to be when the race begins in earnest. Um, so horses who tend to race freely um, are dangerous horses to back at a track like Goodwood. Um, in these races all right that is sage advice from rory delargy as we look at day one of the qatar goodwood festival on to day two uh, we'll start by taking a look at the mulcombe stakes the five furlong group three and uh rory you can lead us off again here um soldiers call who obviously comes into this having been a royal ascot winner uh, again for archie watson is the four to one market leader uh, Landforce, who got back to winning ways last time out? Fred O'Brien has also entered. What's your view on this race? Um, I very much respect uh, the favourite's chance on on Royal Ascot form, um, but the horse that I like here, who I think has been aimed at it for a long time, is uh, Rumble in the Jungle, a son of Bungle in the Jungle, who won this race um, six years ago. Um, and he ran really well in the Norfolk Stakes at Royal Ascot, just behind Landforce. Um, but um, he was pretty much the only one who tried to get on terms early um, with uh, the winner there, Wesley Ward's highlight of the week. Shang, shang, shang. Shang, shang, shang. shang, shang. Um, Kevin, so, Kevin and I, Rumble in the Jungle. Kevin and I were singing that basically all day that day um he it was kevin started it and it got stuck in our heads so uh, hence why he decided to bring it up there again but you, you think that this has been the aim since Roy the royal meeting yeah he's not he's not run again since and and you know he, he went straight to royal ascot after one run um and i think you know they immediately knew from an early stage this was a fast horse very much in the mold of his sire strong sprinting type who's quite possibly going to be best as a two-year-old and best at five furlongs um and you can almost see the goal right get the experience get out first of all see if we can win at, at the first time of asking and learn a little bit then the norfolk stakes is next on your on your radar 
um, and then uh, the Mulcum, and then we'll see where we go from there. Uh, he's in the um, the gym crack as well, but five for long seems to suit him ideally at this stage. He's got a lot of natural speed. Um, and again, we're talking about uh, two-year-old trainers. Um, you mentioned Archie Watson with Soldier's Call there, but um, Richard Spencer also doing very well. Um, both yeah. um, Spencer and Watson, significantly for me, have had a hatful of two-year-old winners in the last few weeks. Different horses turning up and winning either on debut or the second time of asking. And they look like they're, they're proper trainers of juveniles because that's the if you're a young trainer looking to make your name, um, it's very hard to get the top owners to send you proven horses or to try to train a derby winner. The the best way of making a mark either is with exposed handicappers that you can you can um, sweeten up from other yards, or with two year olds. You know you can get them ready and you can win races. And if you can if you can keep winning races with juveniles, either first time out or second time out, and, and maybe enjoy a little bit of pattern race success um, at the likes of Ascot or Goodwood, then people will notice that you know what you're doing. Mm. Um, and both, both those guys, Richard Spencer and, um, and Archie Watson, they're not the only ones doing that, but the fact that in July, um, Richard Spencer, I think has had five separate two-year-old winners in July. Archie Watson, I think is even more than that. Yes. Uh, and that, that really, yeah, it really makes you sit up and take notice. Um, so I like the pair of them, but Rumble in the Jungle is nine to one in a place. And I think that's a crack in each way, Pat. I want to talk to you about Vintage Brute very briefly because we were there uh, the night at Sandown where yep. he won and David Allen was making some very uh, loud and confident noises about him being an Ascot contender. And that led to him being purchased by the owner of Leicester City for £280,000 sterling. What's the, what's the owner of Leicester City called? Oh. <laughs> go on, have a go, have a go. I'm get, not even trying. Get it up on the screen. And have <laughs> I'm a just go. gonna say King Power Racing Limited. Uh, uh, yes, indeed. If if Rory would like to have a go, if Kevin would like to have a go, I'll I'll happily let you. I'm not the host. Not no, no, it's not it's, my it's, job it's, to have a go. It's just worth putting that to the presenter. You know, it's it's the presenter's job to get all the information out there. Well, here's the, here's the information out there. King Power Racing Co Limited. That's who owns Vintage Brew. <laughs> Two hundred eighty thousand pounds they forked out for him. And he was beaten 13 lengths and beat one home. The reason I highlight him is because you've just referenced how important it is to have a horse who settles. And he didn't do that at Sandown, uh, really needed the cover, got no cover at Ascot, and it was an absolute disaster for him. So he could yeah, be that... very much, a, he could be a horse that will be on people's radar because they'll be thinking, well, Tim Easterby doesn't really go south unless he's got a good one. And he has done well to win at Sandown, but. He'd need an awful lot to go his way. Yeah, he needs he needs to show another dimension to his game. I was really impressed with him in his debut, hmm. um, which was you know, just an ordinary race at uh, at first, but he won it in tremendous style. And the second and third were, were ready, and and I thought that I thought that was much better form than, than people give it credit for at the time. And I was sweet in his chances in the national stakes, and I thought he, I thought he did that nicely in the end, given that he was theoretically well drawn, but he was he was um, uh, boxed away. Um, needing a, a run for a long way and got it late in the day and won. And maybe it helped him to be in a pocket for a long way at, um, at Sandown because he was horrific at Ascot. But then again, you know, a lot of, a lot of inexperienced horses going to a, a meeting like Ascot for the first time would just blow their minds. Yeah. Um, he's an awful lot better than that. Um, but you don't really know how he's going to, um, how he's going to adapt um to to goodwood I, I certainly wouldn't be ruling him out you know if he was he's not going to be a short price given what happened in Ascot. because no, people are more likely to look at that i think it's important form. given the fact that you've highlighted that horses who race freely can be compromised here that be, he's yeah. currently a nine to one shot but he was four to yeah. one favorite 
for for that race at Royal Ascot. So he's going to be on our, our listeners' radar. And I just he is. Yeah, I'm not going yeah. to put you off him, but I would, given your advice, I would very much be proceeding with caution there. Yeah, although I'd I'd, I'd hope they'd be you know in a in a race that were five furlongs to win downhill at Goodwood, um, that's um, uh, that keenness is still clearly an issue, but it's it's much uh, you know potentially less of a problem than with a horse who needs settling in a big field handicap. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know where I stand with Vintage Boot at the moment. I, I thought he was going to be um, very decent going into Ascot, and now we're asking questions. Yeah, you and me both in that one. Kevin? I would just give two little nudges for ones that did disappoint at Ascot. Uh, Muta Waffer would be the pick of him, I think. I was impressed with him um, on his debut and when he won his maiden. I thought he'd run very well in the Windsor Castle, and it didn't work out. Not even close to working out. He ran pretty badly, it must be said. A lot of Charlie Hill's horses did. Yeah, they're still struggling for top form. Is that yeah. a fair comment? Yeah, I think that is fair. Yeah. Um, but he is an interesting horse. I think there's loads of ability in there. Um, I know Charlie Hill's thinks an awful lot of him, so I would bring him back onto people's radars. I would see him as a speed horse. A sharp five should suit him. And uh, Queen of Bermuda would also be worth a shout because she'd tick plenty of boxes uh, going into the the um, the Windsor Castle as well. And she didn't run qu- quite as badly, but she was well, ultimately well beaten. She was sent off fav. Um, and she'd shown loads of ability and speed in her two starts prior to that. And we'll, we'll always give it ch- one chance to uh, bounce back after one bad run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, we, if we can't do that, then what can we do? Uh, the feature race on the day will undoubtedly be the Sussex Stakes. And after Royal Ascot, the hope was that we would get to see a clash between Expert Eye and Without Parole. And that has come off. For a while, it looks as though connections were going to stick with the... Uh, seven furlong race but they have stumped up the money and they are going for it in group one company over a mile now kevin has raised the point on several occasions that he thinks expert eye is ultimately going to be a sprinter um i was left with egg firmly all over my face uh, at royal ascot when he performed as brilliantly as he did but does he deserve to be as short a price as three to one roy delarkey because he's a brilliant workhorse clearly his connections obviously think an awful lot of him, but he has bombed and let them down on several occasions. Didn't bomb last time, did he? Um, and that's, you know, if, if I'm going to judge a horse, I'm judging it on his last run. Um, particularly if, you, if you're going to um, cast aspersions on the horse based on, on whether it's progressing as expected. Hmm. Um, he was very, very impressive um, in the Jersey Stakes. Uh, the only thing I would say um, is of course the jersey is a seven furlong race and it was set up ideally for him they went a hell of a pace there yeah um and that suited him down to the ground um a mile here obviously the track's fine for him uh, as he saw as we saw in the vintage last year um i don't think he wants to keep running in fast ground that much i think he was fine it wasn't lightning fast at Ascot. the ground they produced very very good ground for the royal meeting um but if it, if it turned out quick here that would be a little bit of a concern um but you know if you put the question if you put the question to me, you know, is is he is he too short a price at that? I'd say, look at the rubbish in the race. It's a dreadful. <laughs> aside from, aside from um, the favourite, who's got an outstanding chance, um, you know, based on what he did at, at Ascot and the fact that he's he's progressing so well, it's not a strong race, is it? No. Light, lightning um, spear the, the old, the with, the greatest, with the greatest respect. Lightning spear is third favourite at ten to one. That tells you all yeah. you need to know. 
and that, and he's not a bad. I mean, certainly again, I was asked a while ago, is beat the bank an interesting bet without the favourite there? And your first your first reaction there is, oh, come on, beat the bank's not good enough to be winning a, a Group One like this. And then you again, you look at the field and go, actually, yeah, well, he's you know he's he's maybe second best in the original entries. Um, so you're not looking at a strong contest, and it's no surprise that they've put Esper Eye in here rather than going for. Um, for the Lennox. The Lennox would suit him down to the ground. It would be the perfect race for him, but it doesn't have the prestige. Yeah. And uh, Judd Monty Farms, Khaled Abdullah, they're all about the prestige. Yeah. I'm really torn with this because I don't really like the decision of going back up to a mile with Expert Eye. Like, if you watched the jersey in isolation, you'd say, yeah, it's definitely worth a go. But um, as Rory says, it kind of. He needed. The way he needed the race to pan out was what happened. They, they they went really quick and gave him a good chance to relax, and he did. And he was very powerful in the final furlong, but whether he could be quite as powerful in the final furlong here, assuming they won't go anything like as quick over this longer trip, um, Bally Doyle may not have an involvement. They may not get involved from a pacemaking point of view. Yeah, we don't know if Gustav Klimt is going to take up this engagement. Again, I'd Clemmy I'd echo back, what in, I'd, back in class would be interesting but not in this race yeah I'd echo what I'd say earlier you know yeah. I, I don't think Barry Doyle will travel that many horses if they can avoid it at all mm. and um, yeah if they, were, if they went even an average pace here never mind slower than it I would fear for expert high and look without parole is a horse I like I was impressed with what he did at Ascot he did well to overcome he's you know his relative inexperience and, and, and rawness but he would be vulnerable to a speedier one around here I think um, I probably have to go with without parole. It wouldn't be a bullish shout now, but I just think he he'll be a really powerful stayer at this trip, and that that's the the chink in expert eyes armor. So I, I'd have to go with without parole. Do you think ultimately without parole will be a ten furlong horse? I think that's the way he's going. Yeah, that's the way he's going. Hmm. Um, I have to completely revise my opinion of without parole. I thought he was a ridiculous price for the St James's Palace Stakes, and again, hey, yeah, hey. It, it, they can win and still have been a ridiculous yeah, prize. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he fell in at Sandown. But to be fair, he clearly needed that run. And it's probably a blessing in disguise that he ended up missing the 2,000 guineas. And he's gone to Ascot and, and won his group one. He's beautifully bred by Frankel out of a lemon drop kid mare. And you're getting 15 to 8 about him now. You know, I think Expert Eye is making the market for him. Yeah, I think it's, it's fair enough. It's fair enough for all my concerns that this might be more of a speed test than he ideally wants. Um, yeah, he, I'd favour him. I, I'd have loads of concerns about Expert Eye. And you take Expert Eye out, and it's it's fairly muchy of a muchness, isn't it? 100% with Rory in that assessment. Uh, in that, God, Rory, it's really... It's it's a match race, really, isn't it? It's It's just a straight-up match race. Yeah, it's always dangerous to say that, isn't it? And something else comes through, but it does look it does look that way on paper, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. That is our look at the Sussex Stakes. Uh, Rory is in favour of Expert Eye. Uh, Kevin and I are going with without parole. But that being said, neither of us are being particularly bullish. So maybe you are better served uh, going with Rory. Rory's got one. Oh yeah. For day three. The one mile six furlong Qatar Lily Langtry Stakes Group Two for Phillies and Mares. This is a race that has confounded me, but Rory Delargy has been studying the form and he's cracked it. Yeah, I don't know. If there's much of a market. Have you got a market there for this? I do. Is anyone daft enough to? to um, who's the favourite? God given Hopefully. at a hundred to thirty. Ooh. Excellent stuff. We don't want God given at all. <laughs> okay. Who who would you like me to give you a price <laughs> we... on? We. 
We very much like pilaster. Well, I can we're tell gonna you. We're going to get pilasters. We're, we're getting pilastered at Goodwood. 20 to 1. 20 to 1 of a pilaster. 4 to 1. <laughs> Blake bet did, go. Did, did I get you going there, Rory? <laughs> Blake bet go 4s. I, I, sh- I should have been. said 10 to 1. Yeah, me. yeah it yeah. might have been more believable. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can get 4 to 1 about pilaster, uh, having been backed from 5s. Um, she's a really interesting staying filly in the making is Pilaster. Um, I wrote up a race that she was running in at Kempton and thought it was quite an interesting and competitive looking uh, Philly's novice with lots of um, late developing, well-bred types. And she has absolutely blown them apart, um, winning by six lengths from a, a filly called Galmarley. Um, and um, that looked very good at the time and it looked an awful lot better when Galmarley um, ran in a handicap at Newbury shortly afterwards and uh, ran them ragged. Um, it's very it's very decent form. Because it's come in the old weather at, at Kempton, I wonder whether it might be a little bit underrated. Um, we still don't have quite the respect for for good old weather racing um, that we should, and there's, there's quite a lot of it around uh, these days. And t- to win a race like that, she won by six lengths and three and a half lengths um, in a race that looked, as I said, very deep before that. Um, William Haggis trained the, the filly who came sixth heart of grace she won next time out um, a couple of others run pretty well and, and Galmarley um, who hadn't been hidden you know she, she wasn't trying to sneak a, a lenient handicap mark um, you know she was running on her, her merits to finish second and she won well at Newbury next time out uh, I just think that's I think that's probably £10 better form than it looked at the time um, and I think it gives Pilaster you know only three or four pounds to find with the best of these on her pedigree um she will stay a mile and a, a mile and six standing on her head um she's by nathaniel out of um uh an hernando mare who, who would have stayed this trip herself um and she is a half sister to a horse called Winshear, who was mm. placed in the st ledger so um she will improve for the step up and trip she's been looked after um roger very who trains her seems to be um Getting a lot of his um, his string to peak for Goodwood, more so than than Asket, it seems to me. That's interesting. Um, and she's improving so fast. I, I think she's got very little to find with the with the best of these, and she will take another another jump forward um, in form terms. I think so. She looks really solid to me. Yeah, backed as though defeat was out of the question last time out, and couldn't have been more impressive. Kevin, do you have a view on the Lily Langtree? I don't have a big view. I'm God given. I've been watching closely of late. Um, very unlucky last time out. I wouldn't say that. You know, nailed she, on the line. Yeah, she was unlucky to be nailed, but you know, she tried hard. To be fair to her, that was probably the best run of her life. Um, wasn't a strong group too, I didn't think. And um, horseplay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not gone on God given. Yeah. I think she's been very well placed. Um, I think um, history will show that that Luca Kamani did a brilliant job to win two group threes and get touched off in a group two with her um and who go you know she could you know she tries um i don't know if this would be her track yeah i just i, I wouldn't be all that keen on her now and I, i'd respect um i'd respect rory's opinion on, on pilaster she's a solid 105 horse but pilaster could be anything yeah that'd yeah. be the, that'd be my I line think- of thinking Godgiven still gets an extra £5 credit for being um, uh, sister but to postpone, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah, that's a good show. But, you know, there's there are plenty of horses from that family that have run, and, and obviously 
those two are very good. But, you know, pedigrees are irrelevant at that stage. Once you've seen yeah. a horse run enough times, they are what they are. Yeah, I think, um, I think people want her to be better than maybe she is. Yes. It's, it's exciting at the start of their careers, but, you know, eventually, and we'll come back to the Galloway podcast, you have to accept that Rocket Cashel is not as good as Rocket Gibraltar. It's just because they're full brothers. That's that's that. Well, they, there was a, a brother um, to her and, and postponed. I think he's a full brother to one of them, I think, who ran in, in these colours at Yarmouth about a week ago and was tailed off in a there dreadful maiden. There you go. So That tells you all you need to know. The feature race on Thursday is, again, all about the Phillies. The Qatar Nassau Stakes, uh, over a mile and two furlongs. Urban Fox, who is a very impressive visual winner at the Curra last time out, heads the betting from Rhododendron, who there was a huge amount of expectation about at Royal Ascot, but did not go and perform. Um, that run can't have been her her best effort. It can't have been her true form. Um, Rory, what is your assessment of this race? Um, I'm inclined to leave it well alone at this stage, quite really? frankly. Um, Urban Fox is obviously is obviously interesting, having having proven her stamina for a mile and a quarter mm. um, last time out, and and she was ridden as if the trip would be no problem whatsoever. So she stands out at this stage. But um, we've talked about um, uh, Aidan O'Brien's runners and how a few of them are are um, a little below form at the moment for whatever reason, the occasional dirty nose, etc. And um, now he's got hydrangea, rhododendron, and magical still in the race, but we don't know quite quite he's going to turn up. I suppose Urban, we know Urban Fox is going to run, um, and we know that you probably wouldn't be too scared of the O'Brien runners anyway. So I suppose if you're getting involved in the race at this stage, then Urban Fox would be would be the obvious way forward. Well, um, I, but I'm, just, I'm not. Can I just say, hydrangea is almost certainly going to run in the King George. So when you look back at rhododendron's form. God, she's got an awful lot of class. There's a lot there to to be excited about in the context of this race, I, I would think. Um, I'd love to see Magical run here, but I, I suspect yeah. she won't. A bit too soon? Um, that'll be the thing. Mm. That'll be the thing. Uh, she's a lovely filly with scope to improve yeah. over further. Um, but you never know. You know, Aiden's done so has backed horses up a little bit quicker than anticipated on a number of occasions at the highest level this season. So it might not be a million to one. What's your assessment on Rhododendron right now? I don't mind her. I clearly disappointing last time. It was a funny race. Um, they seemed to go steady and then get racing a little bit early, and she was up and she was amongst those that that kicked on perhaps a little bit early. Um, if she could get back to her, didn't really go through with it though, didn't she? No, no she was. Um, a lot of those the, that were up the, the paddock experts thought she didn't look very well that day. Okay, yeah, that's an whether they can read anything into that, I don't know, but. Yeah, just a lot of those that were up in the teat of it there herself and Ben Battle and a couple of others, they didn't really finish out the race, whereas those that um, were ridden with a bit more patience in the middle part of the race came through and, and dominated. So I don't want to judge her too harshly on that. The lockage performance was good. You know, I think this mid-range trip, it might just be her optimum. And I, I respect her. I absolutely respect her. Well, she was certainly good um, against Hydrangea. Uh, last season at Shanti, and uh, obviously she franked the form on Champions Day. So I, I just think that four to one, seventy-two about her is is fair. Um, and I wonder if Urban Fox was slightly flattered because what prices are Urban Fox anyway? One hundred to thirty. Burlington. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't look if they all lined up, um, which they're not going to. You might start to look to pick holes in in, um, in Urban Fox's form, but given. 
there's a possibility that none of the O'Brien Phillies turns up at That's all. That's true. That is very true. I, I, I think the chances are we might see one of them, but um, given what's going on at the moment, there is there is half a chance none of them turn up, but it ends up looking like a weak race. So 130 Urban Fox, who's pretty much confirmed as running, is certainly fair. Um, you know, if she don't line up in the day and she's six to four, then you can start picking holes in, in the form. She might just be flattered by the way things panned out at Sakura, but yeah. We shall see. And God, when, you, I, when you, I say you, that, you'd wonder would a massive scum mag have a go each way at 130? Oh, oh, this, is, oh this yes. is a proper. This is a proper Neil Channing is sending his runners all around the streets of London into various different bookmaking establishments to get as much as he possibly can on in the scumbag each way that stakes. That is a straight-to-prison offence in my Oh, book. yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I, in fact, I can be pretty much certain that's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he's sending his, his runners all over London, all over the UK, to get as much as he possibly can on uh, each way urban fox. Um, proper each way scumbaggery, that is. Uh, the only reason I say would have been flattered uh, possibly by her run last time out is simply because Forever Together is better over further. Yeah, uh, I don't think that was Forever Together. Yeah, yeah. Don't so think that was the real the, the real thing at all. I wouldn't necessarily look at her run in the Irish Oaks next time out and say, "Oh, that's a great boost for Urban Fox's form." No. Okay. Um, anything else to add to that, Kevin Blake, or nope. will we move on? Move on. Move on. And then we shall move on to Friday's action and the final Furlong podcast. Of course, I should point out that all the information that you need. Uh, for the Qatar Goodwood Festival is available for you at attheraces.com. Hugh Taylor, who has been on fire, banging in the winners left, right, and center, uh, will be writing his tipping column each day, and you'll have at the races and time form analysis available on the site as well. Um, last year, Batash really announced himself on the big stage with a stunning visual performance in the King George Qatar Stakes. Rory Delargy, will he do the same thing again this year? Well, he won't be announcing himself, will he? He's already there. Uh, if he if he rocks up, then for all you can talk about the um, the yard being quiet through the summer, um, it's impossible to look elsewhere. He is absolutely head and shoulders above these, and he, he probably hasn't had the credit he deserves. You know, people talk an awful lot about um, Harry Angel, the champion sprinter and the best sprinter in the world, and. Batash is better than him, isn't he? Yeah, I'd say so. So he's it's, very, bit, it's very odd you're talking. You're... He, he has the habit of, you know, he's obviously got this temperamental issue, uh, which we yeah, saw. Yeah, talk- it gets talked up an awful lot, and yet it's it's held him back once in a year. Yeah. You know, he's been absolutely brutal in all his runs, uh, and then he got involved himself in the Lunthorpe and didn't quite give it. I mean, um, York's a very tricky track. It, it is, because they're it, really on show as you, as the as the you know they have to cross the nearest mire to get to the stables and all the rest of it. Um, you often see horses that you're expecting a big run from just bomb there for one reason or another. They just don't yeah. handle that that track, and and that's something that we've seen several times. So you can forgive him that. And then last time out, it was just tactical at Royal Ascot. Yeah, it's just. I mean, I don't want to say jockey error, but it was jockey error, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. He's gone. He's you know. If if they didn't get in their heads that it was, they had to um, blow Lady really out of the water, he'd have been ridden with a, a degree more restraints. Yeah. Um, but this five furlongs, a, a, a fast five furlongs, um, shows him in his best light, and he is um, almost unstoppable um, as long as he doesn't boil over completely beforehand. And I don't think that's an issue. Goodwood's a very is a very good track for for keeping a horse hidden away in the pre parade, and being able to to let them 
and gradually build towards the race. York's very difficult. And the pre-parade ring at Goodwood is, is a lovely pre-parade and yeah. it's surrounded by trees and the horses are, are shielded from the uh, the crowds um, and it's very relaxing. Uh, I think that's a big thing for him as well. So, um, you know, I, I think it's you have to be... The only thing you can do with this race is say, right, what's going to be 50 to 1 that's going to finish second or third here? Um, in terms of finding the winner, you, you have to be a little bit obtuse to try to to find an argument against them now yeah um i think six to four is probably fair as well as a great man once said away and gone up and down the lines uh get the money back on batash in the king george you mean get the money get the money oh the money back from last time not yes. the money back from the, that you've yes. lost in the first three days of goodwood yes oh god i hope not well, hopefully we're hopefully we're in serious profit by this stage we've got rory's bankers in we've got uh, we've got money made from galway as well we're rolling in dough at this stage hopefully <laughs> we're in terrible heads they were in dire <laughs> dire straits at this stage we're chasing the galway we're going to the races the the, the dog racing after the, the horse race in the galway we're on the chase so so heavy we'll just we'll bet on anything <laughs> what's what's the betting in steeple downs we're, <laughs> we're stealing we're stealing stroker up boxes we're doing everything we're crying out for money the views of kevin blake are not necessarily <laughs> those about the races uh tiger de terre has been sold kevin blake he's off to race in hong kong he is he is for and i quote astronomical amount of money so fair play to midland park racing they're they're an unbelievable organization and um hadn't I, richard retained a share in him as well i don't know that actually but i, I really like this horse first time when he won at ascot he was hyper impressive there and he just didn't really do it Later last season, mm. he just, I think he was a slow learner as much as anything. And they made a brave shout to throw him in against older horses I mean, in a competitive handicap at Haydock last time. And he put up a great performance. And um, when you get qualified for, and uh, there's a certain set of qualifications for, for Hong Kong. And if you meet them and you pass, you know, what a, what are, what's a very rigorous vetting process, um, you're liable to get an absolute fortune. And by the sounds of it, they have. Uh, so well done to them I well know, done to them I Fair know it, it's nice to hold on to these horses and, and, and um, inverted commas live out the dream but um, economics uh, <laughs> tend to be a factor well, here and it's, it's hard to say no when the offers are very big to be completely fair it's nice to make money as well so congratulations to them and, and well done um, Rory you've been going through the form of the golden mile handicap um, it is one of the most competitive races of the entire week uh, you could argue of the season uh, what catches your eye um the, the thought that struck me with this race is that there's lots of well handicapped milers who won't get a run um or who will need a lot of horses to come out to get a run and those who are guaranteed a run are mostly exposed and not particularly well handicapped mm. um which means that you know if something does sneak into the bottom of the weights, you could see a wholesale gamble. Uh, the one that I like to is who will get in, not guaranteed to run here because he's got an entry at um, uh, at Galway on the Tuesday, I think. So we'll see if where, where he rocks up. But what's the story uh, ah. for Keith Dalglish? Is very capable of running a big race, and um, to be honest, I think I think um, a mile at Galway would probably suit him uh, slightly better than a mile at uh, at Goodwood. Well, um, if I but, could just interject, uh -huh. this is a crossover event with our Galway podcast because What's the Story was tipped for Galway and we did the line, or should I say I did the line, 
as soon as the horse wins or as as he strikes the front with a furlong to go just start yelling easy game and then up and down the lines with the little bags and collect as much as you possibly can and uh, that's the way to go and do it so you think that galway would suit what's the story better than yeah i mean I, I wouldn't i wouldn't worry about goodwood but the fact that you know his his pedigree he's out of a galileo mare and he's, he's been tried at a mile and a quarter twice um and they may feel that that the stiffer the mile the better for him um, but for me, I don't think he has truly stayed the mile and a quarter when he's tried it. Uh, again, we get back to the whole definition of, of, of staying or not. He's um, he's travelled very strongly, and although he's got home in both the um, uh, the Zetland Gold Cup and the John Smith's Cup, I don't think he's been strong in the finish. And I think he he gave the impression both times that uh, dropping back to a mile and having a more strongly run more strongly run race both times. Um, would suit him. Um, so um, I thought he, he remained um, pretty well handicapped. He was fourth in the Hunt Cup. We, we all know how good that form yeah. is. The winner's, the winner's a group horse. Um, and he did um, he did pretty well to finish as close as he did because he took a bit of a bump uh, inside the final furlong. Um, that's obviously um, pretty strong form. Uh, and he's shown enough either side of that. Um, you know, over, over further to think that um, there's more to come from him. He's only had... What three handicap runs in his life? Yeah, over three or four. Um, he was also fourth in, in the rearranged, careful how you say it, Thursk Hunt Cup, <laughs> <laughs> which was run at Weatherby this year. You know, for um, after the wishes of Mary Whitehouse, perhaps. Um, he ran well on that to be fourth again. Um, that ties in. Um, with some of the better mile form this season, I just I think he's he's unexposed still at the trip, um, and when they go hell for leather, from end to end, he's got a big race in him. Twenty five to one is going to be long gone by the time both of these podcasts are out. Uh, for, well, for you know he's he's probably not going to win both races, is he? No, but we're we're going with Galway. We're hoping for Galway because he's twenty. One thing you'll know with Galway is is whether he's you know you'll find out whether he's declared um, a little bit earlier. And true, he's not, true enough. If you, can see, if, you're, if, if you keep refreshing on the entries on the HRI website and he's not in at Galway, <laughs> that's the time to start pressing up on <laughs> Good shout. Before uh, the bookmakers catch on. Yeah, that's when you, that's when you do it. Um, Roy, uh, that's, if, if you had to go for something else, Roy DeLarge, who would it be? Um, I, at this stage, I wouldn't, is the answer to that. Well, of course, there is a vague possibility that Dark Red, who I've mentioned for the first day, he's also in this as well. And if he didn't rock up on the first day and came here instead, then I'd be interested in him as well. Okay. Uh, Kevin Blake. No opinion. Gilgamesh. <laughs> Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Oh, good God. This is what he needs. He needs a mile. You, you said he wanted six in the Wokium. <laughs> to be fair, both Rory and I were of the opinion that that would actually suit him. And um, we both got screwed because it was each way six places and he finished seventh. Oh, dearie me. Oh, and he didn't, have the, he didn't have the pace that he needed uh, at Newmarket last time out. But he also, um, he also bled oh, the cliff. last time out. The cliff horse. So uh, you can definitely excuse him that run. And uh, <laughs> I think off a mark of 100, Gilgamesh <laughs> is going to win a big race. And it's going to be this one at Goodwood, the Golden Mile. We're going to get it back. And Emmett will keep backing him. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, we're getting the money back. And in two years' time, Gilgamesh will win a little listen, handicap listen, of 77 and listen. Kennedy will be bouncing around the place going, easy game, easy game. Here's the thing. 
You all remember how many times Kevin Blake put up George Bowen? No, you when he don't. Went that, through, did, that didn't when happen. When he went through that lose, that long, lengthy losing run, <laughs> and now he's back to form. Keep the faith. Gilgamesh will follow in George Bowen's footsteps. He wins on Friday. On Saturday, we have the Stewart's Cup over six furlongs. Again, a fascinating race, but a confusing one. Uh, Rory, because John Gosden really has has got a very strong hand here with Emblazoned and, and obviously with Dreamfield, who's come in for support. But will he run both? Which of the two would he prefer to run? Uh, that's going to be a huge question. Um, what's your thinking? Um, I I haven't a clue. Is the uh, is the basic answer to that? Um, the horse that I was interested in for this, and I, I, I have I, unfortunately we started the podcast. As he was running at Ascot, so I need to um, to look back at the race. But I thought Polybius would be interesting here. Yeah. Um, back up at six furlongs, um, but he's he's had a run today over five at Ascot, and he was beaten favourite. But he wasn't um, he wasn't beaten too far. Um, you know, two and a half lengths. He's been beaten into into six over a trip that's probably on the sharp the sharp side for him. But I'd need to see the race to see whether he went with the, the promise that I would that, that I would hope. Um, and of course, he's beaten by Blue de Vega there, who finally came oh, good. Dear and I, me. Is, is Blue de Vega in the. Uh, he is entering. In the Stewards Cup? Yeah, he is entering. Yeah, well, he'll get a penalty as well. So, you know, he might just be interesting now that he has clicked. But I suspect that he's. Um, uh, they've been kind of getting the, the things wrong with him because every time. If you run him at one trip, he looks like he wants another. And. Um, he doesn't quite have the speed for a fast five furlongs, but um, he, he gets lost a bit over over a, a stiff six and maybe ask it's five is ideal for him, you know, because it does place an emphasis on stamina at that trip. Um, but, you know, he might just be the type that now he gets his head in front, he suddenly um, shows better form. He's, I suspect that um, uh, that there's something they've done which has proved the key. They, they removed the headgear from him. Um, today again, you want to you want to look back at these races and see what you make of them after the event. Yeah. You can't just, you can't make a judgment uh, for the future based on a, a race result that you've you've just seen written down in front of you. Um, but that's a race that will bear uh, watching in terms of um, of uh, coming to conclusions about the um, the Stewards Cup. But Polybius, you know, I, I've been coming around to the idea of him over the last few weeks. Um, he's um, he does he has saved some of his best form for Ascot in the past. But I think yes. what he really wants is he wants six furlongs and he wants a strong pace. Um, and you're guaranteed to get that at Goodwood. Um, and he's definitely on a good mark on the pick of his form. And I think it hasn't helped him that they've gone to Maidan a couple of times with him. It's sort of He's got a bit lost mm. in terms of his domestic form by, by going to Maidan. Um, and he just hinted last time that he was coming back to his very best. Uh, and if he did, then he'd be, you know, he'd be seven or eight pounds well in. Um, and he's, that's, he's uh, dropped 11 pounds in the last year, yeah. Rory. Yeah, I mean, there is a possibility he's just not quite as good as he was. But... Yeah. He's still lightly raced for his age, and I thought I thought there was hope that um, that he would click yet. Um, but like I said, I don't I don't want to be making um, predictions here um, when everyone who's listening to that is it w- will be in possession of the race video from this afternoon that I'm not. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm so just I'm, gonna, I'm I'll reading go back the and look at that and I'm reading the trip notes here. It seems as though he he um, stayed on very strongly in the final furlong. Yeah, um, that's I mean that's. That sounds that sounds what I would like to see. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see him win that race because he then have a penalty for next week. Well, exactly. Uh, and then it, and everyone would be all over him. What I really want is for him to to show that five furlongs is a bit sharp from these days, but be running on well late in the day. And if he's done that, then then he's still on my radar for the race. I'm just and it means that I have I haven't wasted a column in the Irish field tomorrow. <laughs> Um, I, I would have no problem with him running in that race with 
a view to a stepping stone to Goodwood. Some people might think it's too close proximity, but I, I'd have no problem Not with for sprinters. connections. Yeah, no. exactly. Um, that that would definitely be my thinking. Uh, getting there all too late is um, what I can see here. He's just uh, sure. getting there a little bit too late. James Doyle had to shake him up, but um, I wouldn't have any problem with that run at all. And you know I'm a big fan of him, so uh, Polybius would be who I'd be going with as well. Look who else has entered in the race. Oh, yes. The world's greatest sprinter. Oh, yes. Georgie Bowen. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I, I don't know if he'll go. Um, I suspect they'll probably let him take his chance. Um, well, why not? We know yeah, that's it. It's a big pot. Yeah. Look, we know he's in super form. We know he's putting runs together like never before. We know and he's the greatest um, sprinter of all time. That's it. So he, ju- he just needs the he just needs a little bit of look on the day. Um, no, I, in, in I, all I, in I, all seriousness, I, like I, to, to actually bring this back down to uh, a logical uh, assessment. At the start of the season, you were saying, much to my hilarious analysis. Uh, that you'd spoken to Richard Fahey and he said to you, I don't know, I can't explain it, I don't know what's going on, but this horse is absolutely flying it. Um, he's always flowing it. You know, we've said it many times, he, he's always worked like a group horse, but he just doesn't always string them together. Mm. But for whatever reason, he's in a very good place this year and he's putting them together. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule him out, but, you know, it's the Shorts Cup. You know, it's going to be very hard for him. That being said, you'll be keeping the faith. Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. Uh, it's Polybius for me. Um, I would have absolutely no problem with him having run today. And he is a big old price. Uh, so I would absolutely be roaring in uh, behind behind Rory. He was my selection beforehand anyway. But I'd, uh, I'd have no problem rolling in behind Rory. He's 20s. In from 33s, interestingly enough, Rory. So um, that's the current betting on him. Um, anything else you want to mention for the Stewart's Cup, Kevin Blake? Sir George Bowen. You don't need to say any more, That's do you? That's it. You want to leave it at that. All right. <coughs> Let me get the best bet of the week for the Qatar Goodwood Festival, Roy DeLarge. Let's get pilastered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting stuck into her. Definitely. Uh, Kevin Blake. Um, without parole. All right. Rhododendron for me. There is your patent for the Qatar goodwood festival uh, i'm there for the first three days looking forward to it um so if, you, if you're there come over say hello we've given you the best information that we possibly can uh with the information that is available to us and uh yeah for next week uh kevin is racing at galway uh rory will be busy with his content i'm at goodwood so we'll have a two review podcasts for you uh, we'll review Goodwood, and we will also review uh, Galway. Um, so, Rory, hopefully you'll be on with us for the Goodwood review, and uh, we'll do the Galway review as well. They may be recorded back-to-back. It may be a day apart. It'll depend on how absolutely wrecked Kevin Blake and I respectively are after uh, the gravy train. That's that. Thank you very much Marvelous for tuning stuff. in. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, and again, um, thank you very much for all the kind words on social media. It genuinely does mean an awful lot. Uh, Rory, brilliant stuff as always. Thank you very much. And all the best. Kevin Blake, sensational. Good luck. Nobody needs to see you in your shorts, though. Please don't bring them back to the Final Forum Podcast Studio next time. And for me, Emmett Kennedy, thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy Goodwood. Enjoy Galway. We'll speak to you in a week on attheraces.com. God bless. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, 
expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.